What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. This is Forklift Systems Football Saturday with former UT coordinator Doug Matthews on 104.5 The Zone. Well, good morning and welcome in to Forklift System Football Saturday. We've got an early show today, as you obviously know by now. Only on for an hour. That's due to the start of uh, the Tennessee game. Of course, the Vol Network this year has expanded to two hours before the game instead of uh, an hour and a half. So that pushes us back. Early game, 11 o'clock game. We come on at 8. Because this is just an hour show today, I've talked to the the folks who uh, sponsor and advertise on the show. This will be a commercial-free 60 minutes of college football days. We look at week number 8. Uh, I did want to uh, just mention real quickly that thank those advertisers and sponsors, uh, as well as the ones that do on Big Orange Sunday. You know, uh, all everybody on the show, this show, uh, are people that I know uh, that I have asked to bec- become sponsors on the show over the years. Know every single one of them, do business with them, and strongly recommend uh, from my personal experience with each and every one of them that. You do so when and if you can, but you know sponsorship is key to keep shows on the air. Uh, we got some great sponsors on there. Some been on with us for going on twenty and twenty plus years. Anyway, uh, we got a big uh, big show to talk about today. Tony Barnhart kicks it off. Tony, uh, we we must begin with last Saturday's fireworks up in Knoxville, one hundred and one total points, a full sixty minutes, and I mean a full sixty minutes of. Well, predominantly offensive football, featuring, I think, two of the most explosive quarterbacks in the country. A a, a, a final field goal as time expired, 52-49 Vols. And let's start with this. What a showcase game for SEC football, the whole nation watch. I talked to people, really, eight or ten different states, and each and every one of them talked about what a great, great game that was. Big showcase for this league. Well, there's there's no question, and that, that the scene after the game, those those pictures were transmitted all over the world, and uh, it was just it's just an incredible football game. And Doug, I, I thought it was the best quarterback battle. You and I are old enough to remember this: the Archie Manning Scott Hunter quarterback battle, uh, Alabama and Ole Miss back in 1969. To me, that sort of always set the standard of a great quarterback battle. This was right there. And uh, you're talking about two guys that could absolutely – one's already won the Heisman and Hendon Hooker put himself firmly – if there was any doubt before this game, he's absolutely in your – got to be in your top three. Well, it was a game of uh, of probably who was going to score last. We, we've had a sure. few of those over the centuries. I can kind of go back into the uh, – uh, 60s, maybe early 70s, one of the Nebraska-Oklahoma games were like that, the Johnny Rogers game. But uh, anyway, it was a it was a phenomenal game. We'll talk a little bit about that. we got much, much more to talk about that. You know, you mentioned that game in 1969, Tony. Uh, that was Archie Manny Scott Hunter. 
Archie at that time set the uh, total offense record for, as I recall, it was somewhere in the 500, uh, the 520, 530, whatever it was. Uh, it was 540 bu- yards. I looked it up. <laughs> well, it was a bunch of them back in that day. And let me tell you what was interesting about that game. They played. Uh, uh, they played that ball game. I think it was 33-31, 33-30, something like that. Uh, anyway, I was playing at Vanderbilt that time, my senior year. We played Alabama the next week. Uh, and, uh, of course, Alabama won that game. Johnny Musso, they run the wishbone at that time or, or getting ready to run the wishbone. Let me take that back. <laughs> and <laughs> maybe kind of a look ahead, uh, Vanderbilt upset Alabama that week, so uh, no. maybe looking ahead, I don't think that's probably going to happen, certainly with Tennessee. Alabama got a big game this week. Mississippi State will be talking a little bit about that, but anyway, big uh, big showcase game. Let's kind of hit the games last week real quickly. Uh, Auburn, uh, Ole Miss, 48-34. Ole Miss moves up to number nine in the country this week. Uh, Vanderbilt plays Georgia, or excuse me, Vanderbilt 0, Georgia 55 uh, last week. Tennessee, of course, 52-49 game. Uh, Arkansas uh, really exploded offensively against yeah. a good BYU team out there. That was a, We talked about that last week. That's, that's a tough place to play, 52-35. LSU, Florida, a lot of points being scored. Again, two quality quarterbacks playing in that game also. LSU gets a, it's a big win. That's a good win for them. 45 to 35. I'll talk about them a little bit later, but they are, uh, they're, they're a much better football team right now than they were a couple of weeks ago. And Kentucky 27 17, uh, in a physical football game, uh, against Mississippi State. Any thoughts on any of those before we look at what we got today? I thought the Arkansas win was huge for their program because they, they had lost, I think, three in a row. And to go out there and win, I thought was big. I thought for Kentucky uh, to come back, uh, they were very disappointed uh, in their loss to South Carolina. They they didn't play well at all. And for them to come back and play the way that they did. And I agree with you, the LSU game what showed me a lot because, remember, they, they had gotten pretty much embarrassed by Tennessee. Uh, I think LSU sent some signals that they are getting better and they're getting better in a hurry. And even in a loss, Florida. Listen, both the, remember, both these programs have two new coaches. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's reasons why you make a coaching change. Both of them were hit pretty hard with players transferring out. Now both brought in uh, double-digit transfers uh, this year. Uh, but it takes the time to kind of not go, uh, you know, it takes time even for an established program to integrate those players into your program. These pro- two programs were not uh, uh, integrated at all because of two new coaches, two new programs going on. And I would just simply say this. This is what I will be doing uh, with all these teams, but particularly LSU and Florida being the only two teams in the league that have first-year coaches. I'm going really, to really watch what they do the last half of the year. And even in a loss, uh, you can see Florida getting better in some areas. So uh, anyway, we'll try to keep you updated on that. Tony, Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Arkansas, Auburn, uh, almost half the league, five of the schools in the 14-team league off this week. Tennessee mm-hmm. plays UT Martin at 11 o'clock. Of course, you can hear that here on the zone. Tennessee has moved up to number three in the country. And then we have four uh, SEC matchups. Let's get into those real quick. 
Uh, the aforementioned LSU, 3-1 and one now in the league, play uh, Ole Miss. They host Ole Miss. That'll be a 2-30 game today. Ole Miss 3-0 and oh and undefeated. Uh, Vanderbilt, as I mentioned, 0-3. Uh, they will play Missouri 0-3. Somebody is going to get out of the cellar in the east today. <laughs> Alabama, how will they bounce back? There's been a lot of talk about that. I think they'll bounce back well. Listen, that, that ball game last week in Knoxville, Obviously, <laughs> if if you read about it or heard about it or watched it or saw the score, uh, could have gone either way. Both teams had opportunities to take control of it, and neither were able to do that primarily because, uh, well, you you could say defense wasn't up to par. I would say that the offenses were so good that, again, as we mentioned earlier, the last team with the ball probably was going to win. Mississippi State at two and two now. They're still ranked in the top twenty-five. Alabama is still at number six. Tony and I'll discuss that just a little bit later. And then South Carolina, Texas A&M, both a one and two in the league. Uh, that game is in uh, South Carolina. Let's start with Ole Miss uh, LSU. Ole Miss percolating right along, if not for the uh, uh, if if not for the storyline out of Knoxville with the University of Tennessee. Uh, the storyline the Southeastern Conference would be uh, Ole Miss without question right now. Right. right. They played very, very well. They've established the run very well. Jackson Dart, the young quarterback, is getting better every week. This, to me, Doug, is – well, it's, it's the game of the week. It's the one on CBS. And this – I think uh, I think Ole Miss has to be on upset alert here. This, this is a game that I can see. LSU winning. We're going to look down the road a little bit. One of the things that I always recommend to fans of the Southeastern Conference, whether you know it's it, it, you're you're a fan of a particular team, the league, or uh, just like to check out things, look and see what what schedules look like for the full year. I'll use University of Tennessee as an example, uh, and it it it's different for each team, but. Tennessee is an example. Tennessee almost always plays their tougher games, their rival games, earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida uh, used to be Georgia. Georgia's moved a little bit later. Alabama. Normally, those three games, which are Tennessee's big rivals now, are normally played in the first half of the season. So when they get into the second half of the season, uh, they're playing teams that, that at least they should be favored in. Won't say they should be, but should be favored in. Other teams, it flips around a little bit. That's kind of where Ole Miss is right now. Uh, they got big games, and most of the teams, quite frankly, do have their tougher opponents at the end of the year. That will certainly be one of them. Uh, Ole Miss, uh, excuse me, uh, Missouri, uh, Vanderbilt. What can you say? Both both need a win. I think, and I try to watch every team in this league on on some replays. I think both of them are getting better, but, uh, well, both need to win. That's about as simple as you can put it. Well, v- Vanderbilt has given up 55, 52, and 55 in its last three games. Some, something's got to get better there. Mississippi State goes to uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama 3-1. and one. They're still ranked six. Let's start with that, Tony. Uh, even though a loss last week. Uh, which uh, again, they were. It certainly wasn't a blowout loss by any means. They had plenty of opportunities to win that ball right. game, as did Tennessee. Tennessee was able to do it though, but still, yet uh, Alabama uh, and we got we got four teams in the conference. I'll discuss here in just a second. Five teams actually. 
that control their own destiny as far as winning their division and getting to Atlanta. Alabama is still one of those teams. It is, and and what the week has been, Doug, I've read a lot of stuff coming out of the state of Alabama, and there's a lot of very upset people. Uh, Nick Saban's one of them. And the fact of the matter is, is they, and I said this after the game, Doug, and I said it again a couple of radio shows I did this week. Quite honestly, I didn't think Alabama looked like a very well-coached team last week. And I may have said that one other time since Nick Saban's been there. 17 penalties. Uh, just couldn't, and I don't know, I don't know if the, the, the getting beat deep as much as they did by Tennessee, it's a combination of Tennessee's talent and Alabama's scheme, I would think. I think there had to be some blown coverages for receivers to be running that wide open. Also, Tennessee did a great job of getting matchups, uh, their best wide receivers on a safety and not a corner. So there's a lot of concern in Alabama that, yes, all of their goals are still ahead of them, but they're not playing all that well, Doug, for them. Well, let's talk two things, uh, and, and I break down particularly Tennessee's game when they're playing, uh, but I try to break down most of the well, the top four or five teams in this league every single week. Just kind of, I go back and look. There's a lot of opportunities. I have access to some tape maybe other folks don't have, but just to go back and look at the, at the SEC network, you can pick up a lot of things on that. But let me say this about Alabama. First off, you're right. Uh, but but you know what uh, the uh, this is still an extremely talented team. Tennessee is better than I thought they would be, and mm-hmm. on offense, I mean they are. I don't care who they play; they are a handful to handle. Let's let's talk about what happened in the Alabama game uh, on this ball game. First off, you're exactly right; it was an undisciplined football team. But as I, I mentioned on Coach to Coach this week. Uh, let me tell you the plus is everything that Alabama is not doing well right now is correctable by coaching. It's not fundamentals. Uh, it's not their scheme. It's 17 penalties, uh, touching a ball on a kicking uh, mm-hmm. situation, which you should not have even been around. Uh, they're not making, they're not making many mistakes. Uh, it's just they're 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 not they're not playing disciplined football. So, but here's the good thing: you can that those are things that you can correct during a week. Pretty simple, and I'm sure Nick Saban said this, looking every one of those young men in the eye, and probably some of his assistant coaches. Quite frankly, hey, there either you get the job done or somebody else is going to have that job. And I'm not talking about mm-hmm. firing anybody, or but. Those players, hey, guys, we got a lot of young men on this team that are talented and want to play. Either get to play and quit jumping off sides, quit making stupid hits. You're going to have some interference calls every now and then. But quit doing those things or you're not going to be out there. So, you know, my message to Alabama fans and people who are going to be playing Alabama down the road, they're going to get those things cleaned up because those are not structural. Their offense obviously isn't good. So is their defense. They just ran into a team in Tennessee that can throw the ball and they they can they they can throw the ball well and they catch it well. What did Alabama not do in this game? Number one, they had two or three drops that would have been huge plays that they normally don't have. Tennessee didn't have any of those. So Tennessee outplayed them in this game. Uh so the other part of it is here's what happened against Tennessee. 
Alabama went into that game with 18 sacks. And, of course, we know they have the premier defensive lineman, if for sure, if not defensive player. Hell, he may be the best player overall in the country mm-hmm. in Will Anderson. Tennessee blocked him. He didn't have a sack. I think he only had two or three tackles. Now, he did have a pressure on it. but So the difference in that ball game was Alabama unable to get to the quarterback they're not uh, they're not talented enough. They're talented, but they're not talented enough to cover Tennessee's wide receivers. So that that would be the way that I looked at that ball game. And and uh, you know, it's I'm I'm sure Coach Saban could give a flip about what fans think. But uh, and, and, and and I think it's pretty fair to say Alabama fans are spoiled. You know how many Alabama you know how many you know how many Alabama fans were in that were in Neyland Stadium last week. I'm going to say five thousand at the most. Now I've seen years for tennis for Alabama had thirty thousand fans in there. Now some of that had to do, I'm sure, with Tennessee fans not selling their tickets, wanting to be there. But you know you can get a little bit spoiled, and I've got a mm-hmm. few Alabama fans around here that I remind that to. You got a guy down there that has done things over the past decade that nobody has done in this league and you know and and again they're st- they're still right in the middle of it anyway uh, mississippi state two and two a&m carolina as i mentioned and tony let's just kind of hit i want to hit the standings real quickly here uh there, there's two teams in the eastern division that are undefeated that's georgia uh tennessee they play in uh, two weeks both of them undefeated nationally and undefeated in the uh in the Southeastern Conference. Really, everybody else has at least two losses pretty much out of it. So Georgia and Tennessee, both of them control their uh, their own destiny, destiny going forward. What's the significance of that Tennessee-Georgia game is? Whichever team wins, they're still probably going to, well, they got a couple of games between them, but whichever team wins will have to lose two games. Right before the other because again of the tiebreaker now in in the west three teams still in it old miss lsu alabama if any of those three teams went out and they all play each other going forward mm-hmm. whichever one of those teams went out and one of them has an, maybe none of them wins out but if e- any one of them does they're going to be playing in atlanta also so we got five teams in this league right now halfway through the season that have a realistic chance uh of uh that are that still have a realistic chance of uh, moving to the uh, Southeastern Conference game. All right, uh, let's uh, you g- give me kind of some of your thoughts on that, where you see it. You watch a lot of this conference over the years, and then we'll get into a few of the matchups here. Well, the round robin you're talking about in the West actually starts today. All right, Ole Miss and LSU play today. Alabama goes to Ole Miss on the 12th. Uh, it is you talked about Ole Miss and what what they're doing. Their, their stretch, I mean, their stretch is just absolutely brutal. You sit there and look, look at their Ole Miss. They, they've got LSU today at Texas A&M next week, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State. That's their stretch run, Doug. That's as tough as any stretch run as anybody's going to have. Well, let's kind of look at it real quick. Let's just look at we're look at the West right now. Alabama, they play state today. They have an open date. All right, and LSU has an open date coming uh, after this week too. Those are huge at the end of the year. You got a chance. Everybody, everybody has players who are maybe playing at at seventy five, eighty percent. Some are out for the year. Some have been out. Will be back. Open dates are so key. But Alabama ends up Mississippi State, and then they got 
at LSU, at Ole Miss. They got Austin Peay, and then, of course, they play Auburn. We all know what can always happen in that ball game. Uh, if you look at Ole Miss, they have LSU today. They have A&M. Both those games are on the road. Then they have Alabama at uh, in, in uh, Tuscaloosa. Then they have to go uh, to Arkansas, and they end up in Mississippi State. So all six of those teams that they are playing, five of those teams that they are playing, uh, but, you know, they're all good football teams. Yeah. So, anyway, and uh, I guess who's the other ones that's still in it? LSU, let's take a quick look at uh, uh, a quick look at LSU. Old Miss today open. Then they got Alabama, Arkansas, UAB, and then Texas at Texas A&M. So everybody's got big, big road games, and that's why I say everybody is still in it from a conference standpoint. Now, if you're looking to have an undefeated season, that's one thing. But we know this. You get to that SEC championship game, one loss and potentially maybe even two losses, and win that, you win the SEC, you're probably going to be in the playoff unless we have an upset somewhere along the way. Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, yeah. that's why the the, the winner of the Georgia-Tennessee game, is it's so huge. I mean, you've got to believe that the winner of the Georgia-Tennessee game will be in Atlanta. And that game, of course, is in Georgia. Uh, we got another week before that. Tennessee should have should have a fairly easy game today. I believe they will have UT Martin, uh, and then a tough Kentucky team coming up. And so, anyway, a lot of good football still to be played. Tony, quick national polls here: Georgia uh, still at number one, Ohio State number two. Tennessee has moved up to number three uh, from where they what expectations were starting this season uh they are they're the team of the year in the country right now but again i'll remind everybody we got half a season left to play arkansas excuse me uh alabama number six old miss number seven kentucky 19 and mississippi state so we got seven teams six teams excuse me uh still in in the top 25 there as we look at other teams uh ohio state looks awfully strong can Michigan? I, I would think Michigan probably the only one right now who has the fire power. Again, I know anything can happen. Clemson sitting there at number five, and probably let's let's hit the uh, uh, not the out of conference, out of southeastern conference games. Syracuse plays number five. Clemson on that. Syracuse certainly the story of the year of the ACC. Uh, now they got their tough games are coming up, but undefeated right now. So of the undefeated, we have nine undefeated in the top 25 right now, and Clemson and Syracuse play today. Uh, UCLA, number nine at number 10, Oregon, should be a great game. UCLA, another big story out there. Number 20, Texas, plays at number 11, Oklahoma State. And number 17, Kansas State at TCU. So uh, I guess the Big 12 right now would be the team, the conference we would would look at right now. Any of those catch your fancy? I, I just thought TCU's win last week was very, very impressive. So keep an eye, keep an eye on them. The UCLA Oregon game is the one that another, another game I'm keeping an eye on because uh, the way we are now, if you're if you're an SEC fan Doug, and you want more than one team in the playoffs, then what you're doing is you're pulling to make sure there are as few undefeated Power Five champs as possible. All right. That gives the SEC multiple opportunities. So what's going to happen with Clemson? What's going to happen with uh, UCLA? Uh, are, are those going to be undefeated conference champions? Well, that's not what you want them to be, okay? 
Well, and we know this just from years past and the way conference schedules work out and the fact that uh, all of the Power Five conferences and others, but certainly the Power Five conferences, have uh, championship games now. Uh, the likelihood of there being more than two undefeated teams are, are really below 50%. We're going to see several yeah. one-loss teams in there. So it's how you lose. It's who you lose to. It's how you end the season. Who knows what goes into the committees, everything they look at. But uh, those are certainly a couple of them on that. And, and I want to mention this about the UCLA and Coach uh, Coach Chip Kelly out there. Uh, you know, we I think that's a good example of a top quality coach, which he is, built the program at Oregon, pro football for several years, came back. I think this is his third year at UCLA, maybe his fourth. But right. I, that that serves me. It tells me that's that's why you need to look at what's going on at Florida and LSU. Now, I don't care how good a coach you are. Nick Saban did not come into Alabama and start uh, his first year competing for national championships. I think he was seven and five when he was seven and six, something like that. Yeah, he won seven games his first year. Yep. So that would be if I'm a if I'm an LSU fan, if I'm a Florida fan, if I'm a fan of, of a couple of the other programs in this league. Uh, remember, nine of the fourteen coaches, head coaches in the Southeastern Conference, have been at their school three years or less. It takes four years, maybe five years in some instance, to get all of your people in there. So, uh, and I think Chip Kelly's a good example of that. First couple of years out there, pretty pedestrian. They're right up there now, number nine in the country, and 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 with the win today, will move up a significantly higher on that. So, anyway, uh, any other thoughts, Tony, about the national picture right now? Uh, I it, it, I just think it's going to be a fact when you look at how many undefeated teams. Remember, last week we had fifteen undefeated teams. Now we're down to nine, uh, and the first set of rankings are coming out in November one. That's a Tuesday night. First set of rankings from the college football playoffs. So that is coming up. And I told some of my SEC friends, if everybody wins, look to see where the SEC teams are positioned in that first top 10. Cause that's, that sort of sets the template uh, for the rest of the, uh, for the rest of the season. Going back and look, what do we had this now? Five years, six years of the college football playoff. Uh, we started in 2014. All right. So this will be the eighth year, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, so we've had it seven years. This is the eighth year. Kind of going back and when these polls come out. And listen, polls are great. I I, I like to look at them just to to look at them. But really, they're they're pretty meaningless until that college football playoff co- poll comes out. And Tony, that's is that the first the first uh, week in uh, November? Is that correct? Right. Notes uh, Tuesday, November first. So uh, that's the one to look at. And what we've learned over the years is. Uh, you got to be maybe not the first poll, but around the third poll, the the third poll from the end of the year. If you're in that top six, you got you got a pretty good chance of getting into the top four after the conference championship games. If you're you know seven, eight, nine, ten, right? Uh, you know, so that's that's something to look at. And I think overall, uh, the committee has done an excellent job. You can always quibble about a few things on that, so. Anyway, all right, let's hit a few other things here. Tony, let's let's hit the games real quick. Give me just a couple of minutes on each. Uh, if you want to discuss UT Martin, I'll let you. 
Uh, I know a little about them. I think you probably don't know a whole lot about them, except they are. I don't know anything about them, Coach. (laughs) There's two things to remember about UT Martin. They are in Martin, Tennessee. Uh, And uh, the other thing is that uh, Pat Summit is a graduate of there. So that's those are probably the uh, and great great people out there. That was my recruiting area. Phenomenal people. They're playing a hot Tennessee team. They won the uh, OVC last year and are playing well right now. But I'm I'm sure they uh, I'm I'm sure they know what what uh, what what's happening up there. I, and where, I, I, I gotta ask, where is Martin, Tennessee? Martin, Tennessee is in the western part of the state. If you go to Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, which is right on I forty. Jackson, Tennessee is about what uh, eighty miles from Memphis and one hundred and twenty from uh, from uh, Nashville on I forty. Right there, uh, go up north of Jackson, and uh, and and they're they're right there. It's a it's a top top quality school in the uh, agriculture in particular, but a lot of neat things that they do out there and that. By the way, I'm probably getting into more information. Most people want to know they're presidents of those schools uh chancellors of those schools excuse me uh normally that's that's who the the university of tennessee knoxville kind of looks at when when they're looking to make a change uh, for retirement or what other reason that always happen that way but good school out there great people huge huge tennessee fan base west tennessee always has been and brownsville and myland and all the schools, uh, all the uh, all the different cities out there, so or towns out there. Anyway, Tennessee, that game is eleven o'clock SEC Network. Good games. Old Miss, Tony just mentioned seven zero, three and zero. LSU five and two, three and one. Both of these teams are still in the hunt for the SEC championship, uh, and that's the uh, CBS game at LSU two thirty. I'm anxious to see if Ole Miss has made its living running the football this year. They are dedicated to the run. Will they be able to run the football the way they want to run it against an LSU defense that's starting to get better? Their quarterback, LSU's quarterback, Jaden Daniels, played his best game at LSU last week against the Gators. And so uh, I I think they're starting to build a little momentum. This is going to be – Unless I missed my guess, this is going to be a really good football. Well, both these quarterbacks, too, transfer players, transfer portal players, uh, came in without a whole lot of knowledge about the systems that both these, that, that Ole Miss run and LSU was running. Now they've, they've sent, you're right, Tony, they're getting better and better. And they're, most of the quarterbacks in this league can, uh, but they're they're two guys that can beat you with their legs. They can run the football, and and what that does is we saw it last week in the in, in the uh, Tennessee Alabama game. It puts so much pressure on your defense uh, when you have to account for a mobile quarterback that will pull the mm-hmm. ball down and run. And both of these will, will do that. Uh, and both of them are, are are quality quality quarterbacks. Vanderbilt uh, three and four zero oh and three Missouri two and four zero oh and three. That's the SEC Network game at three. That game is in Columbia, and uh, obviously somebody's going to get a win, and somebody's going to still be trying to get off the side there. You know, Missouri's been a real disappointment. I thought I thought I didn't expect them to challenge in the SEC East, but I did expect them to be more competitive than they have been. And so I'm anxious to see kind of how they play today. 
starting to get a little rumblings about Coach Drinkwitz there. Uh, I, I think it's too early for that, but uh, I'm anxious to see how, kind of how they play today. And Vanderbilt, their poor defense, I think I said it earlier in the show, 55, 52, and 55 points allowed over the past three weeks. I'm not real smart, Doug, but I don't think you can win giving up that many points. <laughs> That's right. Even with my limited math skills, you can't, you can't do it. Well, hey, we're all products of the institutions we graduate from, right? Tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> Tongue-in-cheek on that. Six, the other 6 o'clock game, uh, this is ESPN, Mississippi State 5-2, and 2-2, two, two and two. Alabama 6-1, and 3-0. and oh. You know, you mentioned, here, here's the thing about, uh, we. I remember when we first, before the season started, talking about, and then last week we were talking about uh, some of the states that, uh, that uh, and Mississippi was one of them, that only had one loss between the two powers. They still only have two on this. But you don't think both about Mississippi State? <laughs> Or excuse me, uh, Ole Miss and and Mississippi State. What when you just sit back and say, okay, what would you say about their football program? Two coaches that love to throw the football all over the field, and both of them run the heck out of the football right now. Yeah. That that that's the uh, that that that's kind of something that you don't you I, I guess you don't think about with either of these two head football coaches, but both of them run the ball well. Let me tell you what else both of them are doing. Both of them's defenses are underrated, uh, yep. and I think underappreciated because what do most people want to talk about? They want to talk about the offensive part of it. Uh, both these teams are playing pretty darn good defense, and both of them can run the football now. Doug, is it fair to say that one one of the reasons these teams are better defensively is they don't leave their defense on the field for a terribly long time, and they don't have to play because they're offensive. They run the ball more. They run fewer plays. The games are shorter. Is that a factor? Well, without question, it is, and and that's the thing with Alabama. Again, I go back to last week. They, I think Alabama knew this. Uh, Coach Saban knew this. Uh, you know, he's a, a extremely smart guy. I think Alabama knew they were going to have to score a lot of points. Uh, the matchups in that ball game normally every big game or every uh, every competitive game. Let me put it like that, where two teams are pretty competitive. Uh, normally you sit back and say, what do we have to do offensively? How many points do we have to score offensively? I think Alabama probably knew they were going to have to at least get in the 30s. I don't think there's any way Coach Saban or anybody on that staff felt, defensive staff felt like they would give up as many points as they did. And, you know, the, the thing about that was uh, Alabama didn't have a turn. They only had one turnover in the game. And right. it, w- it wasn't on offense. It was on the kicking game. So it wasn't like Alabama played sloppily mm-hmm. other than the penalty situation on that. Uh, it was just one of those games where they got beat. But again, uh, they are, uh, they, they, they are a much better offensive front, both the run and the pass than they showed against Alabama. I think that will be correct. And the one thing about Mississippi State is Mississippi State's game offensively, they don't throw the football down the field a lot. They're mm-hmm. more crossing routes, throw the ball out on screens, you know, move the football that way. So, again, uh, I really uh, I want to watch this ball game because uh, I want to see how Alabama bounced back. I, I've had too much uh, experience watching them. <laughs> uh, to not to not believe that they're they're going they're not going to come. Uh, they're too good. They got too many good players. They're too good a football team. Right. 
and they they just run into a a pretty hot team last week. And anyway, uh, all right, uh, that's the six o'clock game, six thirty. Uh, this is the SEC Network, Carolina, uh, Texas A and M. Tony, as you mentioned, I think. I think South Carolina, since A&M has come into the league, is an over. So uh, uh, yeah. we'll see what happens to them. What, what you got there? Look, I'm, I'm telling you, Doug, no, nobody's going to believe me when I say this is a big, big game for both of these teams. And here's why. First of all, Texas A&M is sitting there at 3-3. Three and three. They had an opportunity to beat Alabama, got out of the two-yard line in the final seconds, didn't, didn't put it in, lost, lost a close game. That has bought Jimbo Fisher some time, uh, but he needs to keep he needs to keep winning. South Carolina had their best game of the season against Kentucky, uh, and they could and, the, and again South Carolina, as we said, has never beat Texas A and M. I just think this is a big game for both of these teams in terms of setting up uh, the rest of the season. Now, let me be clear in case somebody's wondering. I'm not saying that Jimbo Fisher is going to get fired if he loses some of these games down the stretch. I don't think that's going to happen. But it, from a quality of life standpoint and, and the, the atmosphere in College Station, they these are the games they have got to win. And um, I just think playing at, in Columbia, this is going to be a really interesting game. One thing I'll say about Texas A&M, I, I've looked at their roster. We know the recruiting class they had last year. Tony, I didn't count the exact number, but I'll tell you this. They are playing a bunch of of true freshmen this year. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't care how talented you are. You play in this league as a true freshman, very, very, very few, and most of those have to be skilled players, quite frankly, uh, can, well, and- can, can excel in this league. And uh, so, so uh, that A&M has got a really, really talented group of freshmen and sophomores. Now, here's the thing that, that you have to look at, though. They have another big recruiting class coming in this year, looks like. But none of those players have signed yet. And if A&M ends up this year at 8-4 at and four or 7-5, and five, believe me, the other coaches in this league, and then obviously Texas and Oklahoma that recruit against them out there, They'll be hitting that thing pretty darn hard, and and uh, uh, the fact that hey, you want to go there and probably be playing yeah. for a new coach later on down the road. But but again, A and M, I don't want anybody to not think they have a lot of really good young players, and they're playing a bunch of them. I'm going to say they're playing eight or nine freshmen, right. several of them on defense, uh, sig- significant minutes, absolutely. And you and you can believe that the people inside the program. I'm talking about the administration. I'm talking about the director of athletics. The press. Everybody knows what Jimbo Fisher is doing from in terms of playing young, talented people. He's building towards the future. That's why I keep saying, "Well, how much trouble is Jimbo?" Jimbo Fisher is not going to lose his job this season. Okay, unless it's something you know that's not going to happen. Now, the question is, what's going to be the quality of life as he manages his team through the last six games on this schedule? That's what we're talking about. Again, folks, no commercials this week. I certainly appreciate and thank all the sponsors and the, and the folks who advertise on this show. It's a one-hour show this week, again, because of the Vol Network coming on at 9 o'clock Central here. And uh, so we're one hour only with Tony Barnhart, Charles off. 
Tom Ritter. Uh, I really wanted to have uh, Ritter on this week, uh, but time constraints kind of hold that because, but we got some neat things coming out of uh, of the of, of officiating and what happened uh, last week. We'll have more this week. So maybe some interesting thoughts for Alabama and Tennessee fans on on the calls, the way the game was officiated uh, in, uh, in in Knoxville last week, the Alabama Tennessee game, and why some things were called, and maybe you know what what the view is uh, view is from uh, someone who does that for a living. Uh, one thing we do with with Tom Ritter is anybody that listens to the show knows this. I am a huge proponent of officiating. Uh, I think the Southeastern Conference. And again, part of this is because of where I live and where I coach and where I played. Uh, I think it's the best. Uh, I, I do not believe anytime I hear anybody talking about how some SCC official is pulling for another team, they're, no. they're, they're crazy. But if they want to talk like that, they can. But make mistakes. And, and one of the things we try to do, too, on this show is, is point out uh, – uh, I, I've said this often. I truly believe it. I tell my friends this. I tell my family this. If you want to enjoy a football game, college game, pro game, pick, take your choice. Know the rules. Know mm-hmm. why things are called. Know why if a particular if the umpire throws a flag, probably what it means if a referee or any of the other six officials do. That's the way to enjoy the game. And then the other thing is, and I watched this in, in a high school game last night. We need more officials. We need we need officials in almost every single sport, uh, and uh, so if you're a high school somebody that's interested in middle school or high school or whatever here in Tennessee, state organization TWSWA can help you. If you are uh, out of this state, you, whatever your state uh, educate whatever your state uh, sports association is, but we need officials. We need we we need officials at almost every sport on that. All right, let's move forward. We're going to hit a lot of things today. Uh, Tony, I, I did want to uh, talk to you about this. Many people probably do not know who Charlie Trippy is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was 100 years old, uh, and uh, when he passed away this past week, this past Wednesday, I think. But uh, if you're a, a historian of the game of football, and if you're a historian of the Southeastern Conference, Charlie Trippy is one of those guys, and, and skill players are always known more so, that obviously, because of their than than offensive linemen or defensive linemen. But Tony Charlie Trippy was one of the guys that uh, when when I was playing and and following football earlier, uh, I was always interested in him. Talk a, a little bit about him. Played at Georgia. I think he's. Uh, I don't think he's both in the college football and the pro football Hall of Fame. I believe yep. Georgia was running the single wing back at that time. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know you knew him, uh, and, yep. and what a, uh, what a legendary figure he was, uh, at, in the state of Georgia. Well, those of us of a certain age, uh, when I was growing up, I was told the tales of Charlie Trippy. My dad went to go see, and, and the, the irony of all this is Charlie Trippy's best game might have been baseball. He played with the old Atlanta Crackers. My dad talked about going to see him play. Just an incredible athlete. Came from the uh, Pittstown, uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, was recruited by Wally Butts to come to Georgia. Uh, played on the 1942 team with Frank Sinkowitz that went to the Rose Bowl and won. He was named the MVP in that game. And then the night he went off to war 
came back. 1946 team, Georgia went undefeated and, again, went to the uh, Rose Bowl. I, when I was doing a book uh, about Georgia football, I went and spent a day with Mr. Trippy at his house, and it was he's just he was just delightful. And he was very still very involved with the university. Uh, whenever they had fundraisers and needed him there, he was there. Uh, and he finished second in the Heisman Trophy to Glenn Davis in 19 – Army's Glenn Davis – in 1946 and as you said he's in both the college football hall of fame and the pro football hall of fame uh just a special special man and the georgia people are going to miss him a lot you and i are going to do a show on this i'm going to get other people involved the the history of of college football uh and maybe with a with a bent towards the southeastern conference so many of those men charlie trippy was one of them started playing uh in the early 40s World War II happened. Many of them were not drafted. Many of them just left and 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 and, and, oh. and enrolled. You had pro guys like Ted Williams and other people, Joe DiMaggio, other people did the same thing. And then they came back and played. Uh, you know, after two or three years of of being in service, came back. Glenn Davis, you mentioned one of those. Obviously, he was he was at Army, so the U.S. Military <laughs> Academy. He, he was going there also. A lot of pro players did the same thing. And, and one of the things that uh, the, that I'm going to do the show about is this: uh, it's the st- statistically not being able to play. And, and let me, I've always thought this about Ted Williams, Boston Red Sox. How many, he, he had three years of, of baseball he missed because right. he was in um, World War II. What, what, um, would, yeah, what, what was his, what would his, he had a great record anyway. But anyway, we're going to do a show about that. Charlie Trippy's one of them. Those, uh, those guys that were running backs back then, George Cafago, I got to know him very, very well. Hank Laricello, single wing guys, and there's others around. Uh, again, we're going to do a, uh, we're going to do a show about that, uh, at, at some point. Let's hit a couple of other things, Tony. Uh, we got, what have I got here? We got about 15 minutes here left in the show. College football playoff commissioners, uh, meet, uh, met this past week in Dallas. Kind of interesting came out Bill Hancock. He's the guy that heads up the college football playoff commission uh, or oversees the commissioners on that. I think his quote, Tony, on this was prog- progress is being made. Then he had to see, say a few other things. When you come out and your only comment, progress is being made, does that raise <laughs> eyebrows on where we're heading with this 12-team playoff? That means it's going really slowly, really slowly. They're, everything I've read and people I've talked to, there are just so many logistical issues. I still think it can get done because the president's uh, – I've gotten some feedback about Mark Keenum, the president from Mississippi State. He has been a bulldog literally and figuratively. He's the uh, main he, he's, he's the main president in this whole thing right now, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely is. And so I still think it can happen, but it is there. There is a lot. You know, you, you're you're looking at ten conference commissioners plus Jack Swarbrick, the AD from Notre Dame, and they've all got to agree on this stuff. Now, excuse me, I apologize. My 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 guy didn't get the memo that we were starting at nine o'clock. That's my fault. <laughs> but anyway, the, the bottom the bottom line, Doug, is that things are moving very very slowly, and they're run, they're frankly they're running out of time. Well, let's just hit that real quick. We uh, we're going to have a twelve team playoff. All right, let's let's kind of go back and for everybody that doesn't that, that have actually jobs to do it, don't sit around and think about football <laughs> like me and you do. Uh, twenty twenty six is when the playoff 
uh, is the change will be made if there is a change of 14. The contract runs through the 2025 season. So 2026 is when, if they do make a change, that's when it'll happen. But uh, we think uh, everybody on is pretty much on the same page that there will be a 12-team playoff. Tony, I guess the big thing right now is can they have it ready for 2024? That's correct. There, there's going to be a 12-team playoff in 2026. We know that. And basically, that's the way it, they, they got that out of the way and said, okay, we're, we're all in agreement. We're going to have a 12-team playoff in 2026. That's when Mark Keenum, the president of Mississippi State, says, okay, great. Now, commissioners, here's what we want you to do. We want you to move heaven and earth and do everything you possibly can to try to get this thing started in 2024. We understand you might not be able to do it, but we want you to try, and we want you to try hard, and we're counting on you to do it. And that's where we are in the process right now. They're trying to do it, but there's so many hurdles we're here, and they have to overcome. I personally think it can happen, but that's where it is. We're going to have a college football playoff 12 teams in 2026. That will happen. The question is, can we start it earlier? Can we start it in 2024 that's the goal tony this is what i mean common sense would tell you going to the 12 team playoff helps everybody every every league and it it also helps the leagues that aren't power five leagues it helps them so the money the money's going to be bigger everybody's going to win on this what it, it doesn't make any sense not to get this done quicker sooner or sooner rather than later on it so what do you see a big hold up have you heard about any big hold up here is it just kind of work trying to work through things or is there some major hurdles here to well there 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 are games and things already in. okay let's take let's take the calendar let's take the football calendar uh when are you going to have when are you going to start the first round of the playoffs well as of right now the schedules are set up for you know, for twenty four and twenty five, the schedules are set up where championship Saturday will be uh, the uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I mean, no, the, the excuse me, the following week after after uh, rivalry. First first week in uh, first week in December is when the, the conference championship Correct. games will be played. First first weekend in December. Right now, that that has to be moved up, doesn't it? If we go to a twelve, and play. yeah, and that's the issue. That's yeah. the issue, Doug. Is yeah. that Chances are you're going to have to move that up so that championship Saturday becomes the Saturday after Thanksgiving so that you can squeeze in more football. Because they have made a rule that says, look, after the end of the regular season and the field is set for the playoff, you you cannot start until 12 days have passed since the end, since championship Saturday, whenever it's going to be. So, so that, would you say – would you say, and I've I've heard some commentators talk on this. I'm not sure they know what they're talking about. I know you know what you're talking about. Would you say that probably that that is the uh, right now is to figure out how to how to get the championship games played earlier? And of course, right. hey, pro football plays a part of this. You you know, it, nope. nobody wants to go up against the NFL, uh, and probably the NFL didn't want you coming up against them because both both lose on that. You got the calendar. You got the bowl games that you still have to figure out, right? What's going What's going to happen right. to the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl? Well, right now, the way the calendar's set up, think about this: the uh, the the first round of games on camp. If you're seated five, six, seven, and eight, you get to play a first round game on campus. 
Well, guess what? If you're starting the second Saturday or third Saturday in in uh, December, then you would go into a lot, a lot of places. You go in direct conflict right now with fall commencement. All right. Fall commencement is not only a, an issue there. The hotel rooms are full during fall commencement. So it, it's, it's, there are more calendar related issues uh, that are slowing this thing down. You've got all kinds of contracts and games that's supposed to be played here and there, but I still think they're going to find a way to get it done. Doug. Could be wrong. Maybe I'm very naive, but I think they will. Well, we'll kind of keep too much money involved. Too much money involved. So we'll keep everybody uh, updated on uh, on that. Jackson, I'm going to uh, have the big orange game plan here in about a minute, so get that ready for me, will you, please? Thank you. Uh, let me hit one thing here, Tony, and I want to hit the big orange game plan, and then talk to you about a few things. I did want to make aware. I was made aware of this. Uh, Coach Philip Fulmer is going to be the keynote speaker, or the speaker, I guess the only speaker actually, guest speaker. Uh, at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes Fall Banquet. Uh, that is Tuesday, October 25th, 7 o'clock. Of course, that's Central Time. Doors open at 6. It'll be uh, in Lebanon at the Wilson County Fairgrounds, the Farm Bureau Expo Center there. Coach Fulmer's going to speak. I think it'll be a big crowd. Uh, all proceeds benefiting the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and you can go uh, to this website, fcawilson.org. To find out about tickets and other things on that, this is a uh, it's a big deal. Wilson Bank has a lot to do with this. The folks there, Farm Bureau does, and of course, uh, those are both key sponsors on this show. All right, uh, Tony, hold on. I'm going to do the Big Orange game plan, then I want to uh, hit you with a few things before we get out of here. And now the Big Orange game plan, brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans, where you are the plan. Get a quote today at fbhp.com. All right, most of you listening out there, Tennessee fans, could probably do the Big Orange game plan today. I don't see anything being specialist. First off, you want to clean up mistakes. Uh, you have a team coming in who you have significantly more talent than. Uh, you're playing really well right now, uh, and but you're also coming off a big high. Uh, very rarely do you have a high point and not have some type of letdown. What Tennessee coaches will be looking at, they, believe me, they will be harping on this. We want to get better. We don't want to play sloppy. We want to clean up whatever mistakes we had in the Alabama game. I don't think there's going to be anything special from a game plan standpoint from the offensive side of the ball. Pretty much run what we want to run. Hopefully, and believe me, this won't be a uh, this won't be a major thought going into this game. But hopefully, you're going to be able to get some players that have not played a whole lot, both walk-ons and others. But again, that's that's not the theme going in. You want to you want to get better in this ball game because Kentucky next week. Georgia after that, two huge ball games for Tennessee. And defensively, I think this is going to be a pretty much line up and play. Let's get better at tackling. Let's get better at the things that we did not do last week. We'd be in Tennessee defensively. So that's, uh, that's probably what we're going to see in this big orange game plan. Again, 11 o'clock kick today. And you can hear it right here on 104.5 the zone. All right. Tony got about six minutes here left in the show. Uh, let's, let's look at a couple of, uh, a couple of different things as we look around the country right now, starting out west. Looks like 
And again, we're talking here about the potential for the uh, for the college football playoffs. Uh, again, the first those first rankings come out the first Saturday or the first excuse me Tuesday, the first week in uh, in in November. But let's just kind of look around a little bit, Tony. Looks like out west, UCLA, Oregon, nine and ten. Southern Cal has one loss out there. They they dropped. Of course, they lost. Uh, that's the game really that probably they in good position to win against Utah. Uh, but looks like right now it's UCLA, Oregon. They play today. Uh, that the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve, both of those leagues now, they do not play divisions anymore. They play one versus two. Uh, I think it's going to be difficult for a one-loss team for the Pac Twelve or the Big Twelve to get into the college football playoffs. Certainly there's not going to be a two-loss team, and I think a one-loss right. team, I guess what I'm saying is both those leagues better hope they're they're undefeated. Well, and, Doug, look, obviously we feel very confident that the Southeastern Conference champion will be in the playoffs. We also feel confident that the Big Ten champion, Michigan-Ohio State, will be in the playoffs. If Clemson goes undefeated, keep an eye on that team one loss, eh, we'll see. Clemson goes 13-0, and they'll be in the playoffs. So now you're really down to what's the final spot. And and I don't see a one-loss Pac-12, a one-loss Big 12 getting that final slot. I think that final slot, <clears throat> excuse me, goes to uh, another, another team from the SEC if, if it's a one-loss team. Well, let's just hit that real quick on that about Southeastern Conference. The, the SEC champion is going to get in. You know, unless yes. he, you know, unless there's a, well, he's going to get in. That team's right. going to get in. And this year, w- with the way it's setting right now, it's, it's very realistic that there's going to be another one-loss team that doesn't make it to Atlanta. I mean, it very right. that very easily could happen. Uh, and a one-loss team that is not the SEC champion will get in this year over a Pac-12 or a Big 12 who is a champion, in my opinion. So, uh, anyway, that's, that's kind of where we're sitting right now. As we look at the Big Ten, pretty much down right now, Tony, to Michigan and uh, Ohio State, I think fair to say. Oh, no, no question. I'm, I'm, I, you know, there are other teams that we thought might – we thought Iowa might be decent. They're not. Penn State just absolutely got taken to the woodshed last week by Michigan. Very impressed with the way Michigan's playing – the physicality that that game with Ohio State's, but they're, they're. I will say this: Brett Bielema has done a really good job at Illinois. Yeah, yeah, they're, you're right. They're six and one, and they have and they lined up and embarrassed Wisconsin a couple of three weeks ago to the point where they fired their coach. And so uh, I think Brett Bielema's done a good job there. But Ohio State and Michigan are a cut above everyone else in that league. And boy, you got two completely different offenses. You got an, a, a Michigan offense that's going to pound that ball. I think they had almost 500 yards rushing last week. Yep. And uh, you got an Ohio State team that's going to spread the ball all over the field. Tony, we got to get out of here. Thanks so much, my friend. Uh, we'll talk uh, next Saturday. All right. Take care, Doug. All right, folks. Again, shortened show today. I always like to use this word for a couple of reasons. One is Howard Cosell used it, and I figure any word I could use that Howard Cosell, well, no, I can't. I can't do that either. But anyway, we have a truncated show today, only an hour, not a two-hour show. Thanks to Jackson Wilson for per, uh, producing this puppy. Of course, Tony Barnhart always. 
Uh, next week, Tony, Charles, Tom Ritter, back. Tom, we're going to uh, do a a a a, 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 uh, a full thirty minutes, two segments with him on catching up on things. All right, hope whoever you're pulling for wins today. Got some big games, not a whole lot of them. Got five SEC teams that are off. A lot of good football still to be played. Again, thanks so much for being part of the show. I certainly appreciate our sponsors uh, uh, going along with and understanding that this is a one-hour show, commercial-free. We'll see you next Saturday. If you're a Tennessee fan, we'll see you tomorrow at 8 o'clock right here on the, on the uh, on 104.5 The Zone. If not, we'll see you next Saturday for Forklift Systems Football Saturday. What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real, because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count.